the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 2 this Wednesday, December 29, 2021. It is a delight to have uh, my good friend, Congressman David Schweikert. He always Why says I need a – Why do you call it a delight? Uh, it's a delight. It's a privilege. It's an honor to have – got to tell the audience how you – I mean you are a man of ideas and thoughts and you keep a lot in that supple mind of yours. You just walk in, no notes, no retinue of people. I just, I just love the way you do. Well, look, thing, look it, if you're going to do public policy and, – and look, uh, I accept – and one of the biggest criticisms I get from some of my friends who are conservative activists is, David, you keep talking about math and math bores me. <laughs> and and I, I'm trying to help our brothers and sisters out understand the math always wins. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the math is what elections are about. It's what public policy is about, and it's also what takes down governments and republics. I got to tell you, the whole COVID problem is a math problem. People oh, yeah. aren't doing the math well, on COVID well, well, is well, we, what leads to the paranoia and the fear. There's a lie about it. Yeah. I mean, what's so frustrating is if you go back to the early days, our brothers and sisters who had were immunity compromised, who were older, who had those things, we saw the math early. Early. Help them, protect them, you know, um, come up with the, the things need so they're not exposed. But the rest of the population, yeah, it, it was ugly. It was this. Uh, but it, the, the mortality rates, the likelihood you're going to end up in an ICU, it was a math problem. That's right. Totally. But we politicized a virus. Mm-hmm. And the left, and we've talked about this on the air, the left, I believe, operates in a place of fear. Mm-hmm. Fear is used to manipulate. Fear is used to expand government and uh, – And to take liberties, right? To take away liberties. But what's so frustrating about it is because it became an us versus them, fear versus the math, Mm -hmm. um, you actually now have a world out there that doesn't trust each other. Right. So one of the things I really wanted to hit on though today is the big project we've been working on in my office now for a few years – and that is what's going to take down this country. Okay. And I'm going to argue that the scale and speed that the debt is growing is terrifying. And almost no one talks about it because we talk about the shiny objects of the day because the math is uncomfortable. The math is hard. The math is scary. But this last year, we were borrowing $47,000 a second. In 10 years, we're going to be borrowing about 100, $100,000 a Every second of every day need to get our heads around the scale of it and where the where the debt comes from. Um, so we're going to be doubling our spending in, in about de- a decade. 10 years. Yeah. Well, that's math people can get their heads around. Well, I should think if but, they understand the consequences of it. See, I think a lot of the problem is people don't deal with don't have to deal, don't feel like they have to deal with the consequences. Well, of it, right. And you got a couple of problems also out there. Um, the political class has lied about the debt for so long, and those who are actually very concerned about it were always talking about the debt is coming, the debt is coming. 
the time they were talking about is now. Mm-hmm. It's when the baby boomers are moving well into retirement. And let's be brutally honest. Let's, let's pox on everyone's house. Um, the left would go, well, we spend too much on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a lie. Or we don't tax rich people enough. Well, that math isn't true. And Republicans would often say, well, it's waste and fraud. It's foreign aid. Mm-hmm. And the reality, those are rounding errors in the scale of the numbers we're talking about. They're rounding errors. And the entire debt over the next 30 years is Social Security and Medicare. And that's what gets you booed at certain public events. But it's true. Because they're kind of seen as what? Sacred cows not to be talked about, not to be touched? In some ways, it's the complication. And so – it, as I am you know, absolutely committed, I am going to protect Social Security and Medicare. Um, you have to take on the reality of what the math says. And think of this. The rest of the budget is actually in balance. So a year ago, CBO, Congressional Budget Office, said we'll be in 29 years at $112 trillion in today's dollars publicly borrowed. So that's not borrowing internally. That's public borrowed, $112 trillion in debt in 29 years. And all of that comes from the shortfall in Medicare and Social Security. Most of it's Medicare. Three quarters of it is Medicare. And the the old days of if this were 20 years ago, you'd get the politicians talk about, you know, well, we need to do entitlement reform. And then the re- Democrats would run television ads and you'd lose your election. That window's gone. Yeah, that window can't talk that way anymore. Right, year. Well, right. no, but even politically, mathematically, the window's gone. It was always a demographic bubble. We as a society are getting old. Right. We're, you know, the last 20 years, our, our population growth, this last couple of years, it's, you know, flat. Um, the baby boomers moving into retirement. But there's a way to make the math work. You don't pay off the debt. You, there's just no mathematical. If you have a politician that says we're going to pay off the debt, they're lying to you or they don't have batteries in their calculator. They just – but there's a way to try to flatten the debt curve and you have to do everything at once. And that's what I really want to talk about okay. is it has to be tremendous amount of focus on a tax code, a regulatory code, immigration, adoption of technology that maximize economic growth. Technology that disrupts the price of health care. You have to do all these things and you have to do them all at the same time. There's a path. And this is, I'll argue, is the single biggest thing because this is what wipes out your retirement Mm -hmm. and wipes out my six-year-old daughter's economic future. Mm -hmm. What I like about your approach to this, David, and we'll talk about it over the course of the next uh, several segments uh, or as much as you want. But what I like about it is – not your energy and excitement, which is oh, that could be a lot of caffeine. No, but you know the idea of how innovative some of this is. I mean, dynamic, if you will. You're thinking well, innovatively and dynamically. I haven't seen this since I worked for Jack Kemp. There's not a lot of yeah, people. In many ways, it's way. very, but it also is very disruptive. You have an army of lobbyists. I, I, simple example: telemedicine. Yeah. How much uh, of us have used FaceTime yeah. or telemedicine the last two years? Um, I've had telemedicine legislation since I got to Congress, and there would be an army mm-hmm. of lobbyists mm-hmm. to stop it. They hated it. Yep. And it was often the 
real estate investment trust that owned the real estate under the urgent care centers that said, David, we agree with you, um, but we're going to fight you tooth and nail to make your telemedicine expansion not pass. And then the pandemic hit and we expanded the access and reimbursement of telemedicine. And it turns out elderly people figured out how to work their phone and hit FaceTime, unlike the lobbyists who said wouldn't happen. The day the pandemic is declared over, the access, the expansion of telemedicine actually goes away. We're going to work on that, aren't we? Oh, I already have legislation. We're working on it. But that's more of an example of the army of lobbyists that make money on the very things that if we would legalize empowering individuals, legalize technology, we could crash the price of health care and empower the individual instead of sort of the – whether it be the government bureaucracy – because remember, the majority of health care money comes through government. Mm-hmm. The government bureaucracy or let's face it, a lot of the institutions that are just – Massive. I was making a point, a small one in the first hour, and you can validate it or, or tell me I, I, I'm full of it. But I, w- I was talking about you know the, some of the concern people have with what happens on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., is when you read about what Congress is spending time on, is up to, is doing when you read about it or if you take the time to read about it, you ask yourself, how much does this relate really to my life and my concerns? There is a disconnect and you sometimes wonder if you aren't really being – without there, being a conspiracy theorist, if you aren't really being governed or if at least D.C. isn't really being governed by K Street or what K no, Street I, represents. I, I think it's in, – in a weird way, it's probably worse than that Okay, because it's – the shiny object problem. Mm-hmm. I'm going to chase this. I'm going to say this thing and um, 10,000 people around the country are going to send me $50 because I said something inflammatory on cable television. Yeah. Or we're going to do this because it's easy. It's understandable. It's a nice little shiny object. I'm going to go get a couple photos and it works really well on a brochure. How do you write a brochure? It says – the scale of the debt, the growth of the debt is going to wipe us out. Here is a formula. Oh, by the way, this formula has like 112 points and you got to do all of them. And it requires rethinking immigration. So you maximize talent, don't import poverty. You maximize – and we need to talk about little bits of the healthcare technology. Let's do it. Let me take a quick uh, commercial break. We've got some calls. You're happy to take calls, of course. 602-5080-960 is our number. David Schweikert in the house and our guest, sometimes on this side of the microphone as my guest host, but happy to have him as a guest or any way I can. I'm Seth Leibson. He's David Schweikert. We'll be right back. <laughs> so, so Schweiker, just so you know the dynamics here, Schweiker oh. doesn't like to wear headphones for whatever reason. And I don't either, <laughs> but I have to. <laughs> but Bill, my producer, said he's going to want to put them on right now. Well, is that your? Is that what you yeah, call it, music? Is yes. That what, see, you guys, we, it's not a math problem. It's a definition problem you and I have. <laughs> I don't call that music, David. 
You didn't. You listened to fifteen seconds of it. <laughs> yeah, well, so. I can. You know, I can see fifteen seconds of a charging great white shark and know what's coming. Yeah, I don't yeah. need and, more. <laughs> and, then, and then you're playing clips from Van Halen. I mean, uh, uh, sorry. Oh, David. We have a running dispute yeah. over bumper music. David, let me tell you something. You're going into an election year, Van Halen. <laughs> you're going to want to be on the side of Van Halen more than whatever that cacophonous oh. thing was. Look, I am what I am. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. You look. Look. All you know, right. when you're, you know, like. President of the math club, you don't have a lot of friends. Okay, so, okay. I yeah. get it. I but, get it. All right. All but right. back to the yeah. point I'm trying to make. Yeah. I think there's a positive, optimistic, pro-freedom, but you can't just do one thing. So we did tax reform at the very end of 2017. That's right. And saw remarkable productivity growth. But we also saw this remarkable movement of the poor, the mm-hmm. working poor, becoming dramatically less poor. That's, you know, income inequality for the first time in modern economic history was shrinking. But that's just one of maybe, I mean, we actually have like 112 points uh, policy-wise you need to do. But one of about the five true pillars that you need to do to make this work. Um, Let me give a simple conceptual one, and this actually exists. Five years ago, a professor of material science comes and visits me. And she brings this thing. It looks like a ginormous kazoo. You blow into it, and instantly, it was mailed. It thirty seconds or so. It's able to tell you you have a virus. Mm. It's able to categorize the virus. It would be able to bounce off your phone's medical records and order your antivirals. Okay. We called it a flu kazoo. Mm-hmm. The latest version they're working on now, five years later, actually picks up. Dozens and dozens and dozens of dead cancer proteins. Remember when a cancer, when a cell dies, it throws off a dead protein. That would have been remarkable. Would have been remarkable to have during this time of pandemic. So this flu kazoo, you blow into it, and it would order your antivirals. That technology is illegal. Why? Because you're allowing an algorithm to write a prescription, but the modeling says it would crash the price of healthcare. 16% of healthcare, $530, $550 billion a year. So a half a trillion dollars every year is people not taking their statin, their hypertension medicine, those things. So they're having a stroke. Mm-hmm. They're having you know, um, a, a cardiac event. Mm-hmm. Um, a small investment in the little pill cap that talks to you. There are things we can do technology-wise to crash the price of health care. But the most elegant thing, and I want Republicans to think about this. I want conservatives. But I also want people who give a damn. We need to cure diseases. And the most powerful one I can give you is 31% of Medicare is diabetes. So in the next 29 years, you functionally have about 79 trillion dollars of spending and borrowing that's just the shortfall in medicare 31 percent of that is just diabetes it's time for an operation warp speed to cure diabetes and it's going to be complicated as you saw a couple weeks well a month or so ago we now believe we have the cure for type 1 diabetes i think i sent you the article we now know how to do that we actually know how to turn a um 
a stem cell into a T cell to turn it into um, an islet cell that produces insulin. Mm -hmm. That technology were there. So we're on the path. But one-third of all healthcare costs is just diabetes. We're also working on a model in our office. It turns out if you take populations that truly suffer from type 2 diabetes, you know, um, urban poor, um, many of our tribal communities, if you were to go into those populations and cure the disease – we believe it would be the single most powerful thing you could do in shrinking income inequality. Mm. The Democrats, their model is we want to build more clinics for you to go to to go get your diabetes managed. As a conservative, screw that. I want to cure the disease. I want to free you from the suffering. And by freeing you from the suffering, I free you from being attached to the government. I free you from the control. And you get to join the economy with everyone else. You, you need to think about these as disruptors of optimism, and it turns out that's the single biggest thing you can do, the single biggest for crashing the price, uh, price of health care and therefore the accumulation of debt that let, wipes us out. Let me take you into my territory uh, of philosophy and, or sociology out of yours for math just a second. You can do it all. You're a polyglot. Um, that's a compliment. No, we know. No, no, no. But, no, but, but how, a bunch of people think you just. Um... No, no. It's a compliment. It's a. <laughs> we do words on this show. Word of the day: polyglot. Look it up, David. How hard is it? Have you seen legislatively, or just from your experiences with meeting so many people? How is it to get? How hard is it to get Americans to change their behavior? Um, it goes to <clears throat> COVID. It goes to type 2 diabetes. It goes well, to a lot of things, doesn't okay, it? Let, let's back up. And this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I, and I'm going to be losing a lot of friends right now. I still love all of you. But the farm bill, we functionally subsidize five, six commodity crops. We make them incredibly cheap. Uh-huh. So go walk through your grocery store aisle and realize all these crackers had to be processed, processed, processed because we made – Corn, we made soy, we made wheat, so cheap. But in the United States, in North America, we grew 3,300 different types of grain. Mm-hmm. But because we designed a farm bill 100 years ago, mm-hmm. we functionally subsidize. You know, we build price supports, we build crop insurance for functionally five or six. We distort what America and the entire world eats because – People on the other side of the world can't grow the crop right. because we make it so cheap. Now, for anyone, it's it's sort of academically inclined. Go to your favorite search engine and look up photosynthesis 40%. Okay. And understand there's this huge disruption that is coming on world agriculture. Um, I think it's University of Illinois has figured out how to get crops to grow, the C4 crops, um, to grow dramatically more efficient. So the discussion of feeding the world is over. Yeah. You know, you, you were talking about, you know, the population bomb, Ehrlich, yeah, yeah. and it was 1968. You had the wrong date. Did I? It bothered me. I almost texted you. You said 71 or 72. Ah, but there's there hope. variance in there's hope. We, we say close enough. We're going to pick up on this when we come back. I'm going to the Google machine over the break. I'm Seth Leaves and he's David Schweikert, of course. We'll pick up on this. This is a big deal when we come right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. David Schweikert uh, is our guest in studio. Delighted to have him representing uh, Arizona's 6th Congressional District, although that's going to change. Be, soon to be what number? Well, they, right now it's District 1 okay. in the redistricting map. Now, yeah. there's a weird thing. I think there's a state law that says the district number 1, the numerical 1, will always be to whatever district starts in Yavapai County. Oh, is that so, right? So, okay. we're, so okay. we're all trying to figure out saying – are the numbers actually going to change again? Okay. Because the redistricting commission has not certified. But the fact of the matter is um, I'm blessed. I'm uh, We're going to have some new populations of um, north central Phoenix. Yeah. It's an improvement for us. I mean we get you instead of uh, a Democrat. Well, here. but the interesting thing is it's a very well-educated population. Um, and I think you know, being on Ways and Means – where you're trying to do complex things instead of the shiny object of the day or the pandering to today's whim of politics, but trying to fix things to save the country, this becomes a district that gets it. Good. And so that's sort of exciting. Yeah, I was talking on the break about getting it. Um, Even in your own caucus, it's hard to get a lot of people on board with this. But what I think they fail to understand and what you're so good at explaining and – more than explaining, knowing, understanding intuitively, is this is actually probably about the most compassionate set of policies, oh, look, right? If you if you love and care for people, if you – let's just go back to curing diabetes, but it's more than that. The technology of making people sovereign. Um, if you actually look who's suffering, yeah. um, they're not our voters. Um, they're, they're, they're not our contributors. They're not out – but yet, if you love and care for people and want prosperity across the country, and I come to you and say, hey, this percentage of my urban minority population is being crushed by um, kidney issues, um, diabetic issues, um, and there's a path to cure. It's going to be – it's going to be – take a real investment, but we make – it saves the country stunning amounts of money in the future – isn't that the most loving, compassionate thing you can do? Of course. Is don't finance the misery, mm-hmm. end it. Mm-hmm. And that's really a difference between the left and the right. The left sees almost a political support base, contribution base by I'm going to provide some clinics for you to go to. I'm going to build this infrastructure for you instead of coming and saying we want to do something It's disruptive. We want to cure the damn disease. Yeah, and and the opposite of that is increased dependence too on the oh, yeah. on the yes. government that is invested in the Democrat. I remember when he ran for president the first time in 2012. Rick Santorum was saying, you know, because they were it was Obamacare time, and I, I remember he was he was quoting Margaret Thatcher saying, you know, for all the things I could do in Great Britain, reforming the institutions and so forth, I could never change national health care. Once that needle's in the arm, it's darn near impossible to take well, out. First off, health care, we're having absolutely the wrong discussion. Then I, we need to move on to some of the other things okay. that, that, that save us from the debt bomb that's coming. But we as Republicans and Democrats are having a absolutely – fraudulent discussion. Remember, Obamacare is a subsidy program. It's who gets subsidized, who has to pay. The Republican alternative was functionally, it was better, but it was who gets subsidized, who had to pay. I'm arguing we need to change what we pay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of just moving around the cost structure. 
do find the disruptions that cure, that provide technology, that allow us to take care of as much as we can ourselves. And, and a lot of this is we're up against a demographic curve that is brutal. In a decade, 22% of the population, slightly over that, will be over 65. Yeah. And you start to realize we made promises as a society. Yeah. We need to keep those promises. Yeah. We have no money to keep those promises. No. And that begins to drive all public policy. Like in this year, about 75% of all the United States spending is formula. It's Social Security, it's Medicare, it's, it's pensions, you can do benefits. Anything about, really. Yeah. 10% is defense. And what's left is what everyone else thinks of as government. Right. And so that's where you get this fraud. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to. Cut foreign aid. I'm going to yeah. do this, do so, that. So you save you, twenty billion bucks. Doesn't and, mean a thing. And, yeah. and, and when you're borrowing this year, yeah. forty-seven thousand yeah. dollars a second. Yeah. yeah. You start to realize it's theater. Yeah. It's fraud. I'm checking the wrong. Let me let me hit this commercial break, and then let's get into some of those other things as well. We'll be right back. I'm Seth Leaps, and he's David Schweiker. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. David Schweikert representing Arizona's, for now, six congressional districts. And, and hopefully soon to be one, or they might change yeah. the number. We're yeah. not sure. We, we don't know what the number is, but he represents Arizonans and common sense. David, talk to me as we talk about getting to growth, as we talk about wiping out the um, the things that hobble us. Talk to me about using technology to, as you put it, <clears throat> functionally wipe out bureaucracy. Look um, – President Trump did a terrific job of cutting regulation. My argument is you could wipe out tremendous amounts of the model that is the regulatory state. Remember, regulatory state was sort of designed, what, in 1938? Fill out lots of pieces of paper, stick it in a file cabinet so there's documentation so the trial lawyers have a place to go to get the documents to sue you. Um, and People would say for the record or they yeah. may need it later. That's what we're talking. That's the they. That's the record. But yeah. what if right. I would come to you tomorrow and say you could open up a business and not have to run down to the county and the state or the EPA and get an air quality permit because we would crowdsource air quality samples. So we have these towers around the Phoenix area and they cost a million dollars a year just on the maintenance that do air quality samples. Um, but they only catch sort of that location, that model. There are things now they are 99 bucks. You can attach them to your phone or Bluetooth them to your phone that would do air quality samples. They do PM10. They do um, you know volatile organics. They do all sorts of these things. And you crowdsource it. And it's basic statistics. If you have enough samples, you know, your, your mean on your curve is actually very, very accurate. And the beauty of that sort of thinking is – if my motorcycle paint shop it did, didn't replace the cartridges on its filters, you, I get caught immediately. Yeah. But if I'm following the rules, I get left alone. Right. I don't have to hire an engineer. I don't have to fill out paperwork. Or I don't an attorney. Have to, yeah. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah, damn attorneys. Yeah. But that's just a simple example of we walk around with supercomputers in our pocket, and the ability to use that to minimize the bureaucracy because shoving pieces of paper in file cabinets doesn't make air quality better. And functionally, 
just is a drag on economic growth. It's a drag. You know, that, that is how, how you get build the highway to, to growth on this. Exactly. That's exactly so, so, how you do it. so the model needs to be you modernize everything you can to maximize. And yes, for some people, it will be disruption. It's basically I work at Blockbuster Video, and there's this thing called Netflix coming. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a choice if we don't grow like crazy, and have the accompanying tax receipts that come with that. Um, and you also have to do other things. How do you create incentives saying, you know, I'm 67 years old and I want to stay in the workforce. Give me a spiff on my Social Security. Hey, I'm young. Um, give me a spiff to not sit on my couch and play video games. Get into the workforce because we – It's a huge problem by oh, the way. Oh, the, the labor force um, data problem. is very, very uncomfortable. Making it so you have family formation. Um, and, and some of these really do get into societal where we've screwed up. The incentives, the, the the economics. I mean, great article today about how many young men are dropping out of university and college. Right. But my theory is there's a holistic th- approach where I can do things to legalize technology. So if I so choose, I want to use that flu kazoo to diagnose myself. Why can't that be legal to my ability to stay if I want to stay in the workforce and maybe not take my Social Security or Medicare benefits or, or, or just even get a spiff, that we create incentives because we have to keep the economic expansion going as robustly as possible and we have to do everything that's necessary to crash, disrupt the price of health care. David, are there elements of the Democratic Party that could sign on with some of this? Because it seems to me, yes, I understand the general desire and ideology of the party to have more government and have more government attachment. I, I do understand that. It's, it's shocking. Um, you know, I did a presentation to a handful of Democrats which you know claim they're the health care Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I walked them through – some of these now these are big thick articles. I have to read them three or four times and look up some of the words, but they're peer reviewed articles, um, like the one about how they now have an approach to cure type one diabetes. Uh, wonderful! This is a big deal. And you sit down with this group of Democrats and say, instead of you guys creating all this fake social spending where you want to add trillions of dollars of new spending and trillions and trillions and trillions of new debt over the next 30 years. Why not spend some of this money on bringing these cures to market so we can cure people's suffering? Not a single one of the Democrats had an interest in it. Is that right? And I don't know if it was because it was coming from a conservative. I don't know if it was because it will disrupt their political sort of base. Well, one of them actually – threw out some crazy comment about nurses' union in California mm. probably wouldn't like this. Mm. I'm going, but, uh, oh, oh, you mean you're just – you're flabbergasted that, well, my hospitals might lobby against this. Well, We're not we here for arm, the unions and the hospitals. But we We're had an army of people. those types of groups lobbying against telemedicine. Yeah. Shouldn't Americans have the right to use telemedicine? So – we have a path. We, we've articulated how to get there. But i got to tell you, a lot of the Republicans aren't innocent on this either. Yeah. Um, we did a whole paper at the Republican Study Committee, which is supposed to be one of the conservative yeah, yeah, working yeah. groups. Oh, yeah. 
we brought them the modules of legalizing technology to disrupt the price of healthcare, and they refused to put it in the working document because a number of the members of Congress were vested in. Yeah. That's how. That's the money they get to get reelected. Yeah, that that that. that you know, it's, yeah. this is a tough one. It's a bipartisan problem. Talk to me uh, just a moment before we take. Uh, a break. Talk to me just a little bit, David, about one other thing I wanted to get you on. You said there's a YouTube you did a yeah, couple of if, years ago. I did Tell this actually four or five this. years ago. Yeah. Um, God bless you if you can find it. I think it's um, Environmental Crowdsourcing Schweikert. Okay. And it's just that concept of using the crowdsourcing air quality. And and I did the little YouTube video. It's one of those cartoon ones. Uh-huh. And I did it just as a thought experiment. Because you could do this for water. You can do it for so many other things. And as you start to expand your mind, the elegance of it is it removes the bureaucracy from running our lives. Uh, I get sort of frustrated when people say, oh, the deep state. It's not deep. <laughs> they're it's just right, wide. They're it's just, really wide. It's just but, wide. You know, when you meet a bunch of the bureaucrats at some of the agencies, it's not their – necessarily evil people, yeah, yeah. but they really want to get their pension one day. Yeah. And they're not thrilled about people like me that say there's a better, cheaper, faster, it's about healthier way. It's it, about who the customer is. So, so when you realize the bureaucracy does almost everything they can to destroy conservatives, yeah. the Justice Department does what they can to destroy conservatives. You've got to understand, you, you run for office, God knows you've been through this. If you're conservative, um, the the bureaucracy, the infrastructure is there to stop you because you threaten, in many ways, the way they make their living. Yeah. I mean, people know about it in the private sector. It's worse in the government, but it's not the same. It's not a different problem. We have to take one more quick break. And uh, David Schreikert will give us some concluding thoughts when we come right back, which we will do. want to thank David for coming in. Uh, as I want to thank you for uh, coming on every week and all your public service, David. I, I know I know the slings and arrows that you take. I want to tell the audience I've worked for a lot of public uh, uh, elected and unelected officials. Few, few are as able as you to just come in with no notes and have the intellectual heft and curiosity and ability to talk to the things uh, and speak about the things that you do. No, a, a moment ago you were teasing me for reading all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, so. but it, none of it is in front of you. <laughs> none of it is in front of you. You've read it and you've mastered it and you communicate it. In our last few moments, David, uh, here, last couple of minutes, tell us either strong medicine well, or light, whatever. I don't care. Tell us what you want to tell us. There is a path that's incredibly optimistic. It, the future does not have to be dark. Um you know, I, I desperately need a country, a society that that the freedom, that the economic growth, those things for my little girl. But it's going to be a lot of hard, scary stuff. There's going to be disruptions. But it's the only path I can come up with that keeps the debt bomb. Remember, in a decade, we're borrowing $100,000 every second. You know, last year's math said in 29 years – we're at $112 trillion of publicly borrowed money. And with all the spending from the Democrats this year, we think we've added maybe another $15 trillion on top of that when you add in the interest. But there's a path. And Congress needs to stop acting 
like a how about, per- how about calling it a protection racket? Yeah, a, a protection racket where it protects incumbency, not incumbent elected people, but incumbent bureaucracies, right. business models, um, often education models. These things, instead of legalizing the technology, the disruption, the new ideas that create prosperity, but also create health, ends people's misery. I, I thought there would be this incredible excitement and joy in Congress when those papers started to drop that we had a path to cure type 1 diabetes. Yeah. And it was crickets. Yeah. And we need to just keep pushing them and saying curing people of their misery is the conservative, but it's also the most joyful, loving thing we can do. And, oh, by the way, we all benefit from it. David Schweikert, thank you. How long are you in town for through the holidays? Uh, a a few more days. Matter of fact um, – I'm on my way to go meet some neighbors um, just down the street in the new district. And Well, you're in um, mine, so can I walk those streets with you one of these days? Oh, I would love that. Walk the streets uh, and let, of Cobblestone. Let's and we're meeting with some folks just to do the little neighborhood coffees. Good. Good. Can I host one for you? I, let's have, we'll have some fun. All right. Let me bring the coffee, though. Well, you brought me a great tea today. <laughs> I drank it. I trust you so much I didn't even ask you what was in it, which is not good advice generally. But with David Schweikert, you can trust. Bless you, sir. Have a happy new year. And a blessed one to you. Thank you, sir. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.